0: So the representation number will never move until the, the other work is done internally.
1: Let's quit dividing
0: each other. It's it's really sad. And now someone is telling me that what I stand for, my belief is wrong. I'm not a DNI professional. I, I'm just a black woman who worked in these spaces for 20 years. But I felt like I had to prove my, or show like, well, what made you qualify to have this conversation? The expectation of a person starting a job doesn't mean you have to get all the coffee and get all the dry cleaning. The expectation of that has changed within our lifetime kind of thing. So I think it's looking at progress and change differently because it's not, it's not just this exponential change and then it's perfect. Like that part's done. Next, next thing we need to check off.
2: This is Loud and Clear, a podcast for those who give a shit about advertising. This is your host, Francisco Cárdenas. Today is a day that we have been trying to make happen for several weeks now. We have two amazing women in this episode. Our first guest is someone you know in the show, Shannon Donbar rubio She is our Senior Director of Strategic Planning at Lerma and also leads a new diversity, equity, and inclusion entity named Inclusivista. This entity helps companies and brands think and look deep into what they're doing on their de efforts. You might remember her from our episode Where we spoke about launching BP, which is our Brand Inclusivity Performance Index Tool. This is for brands. On the other side, we have Rihanna Johnson, an icon in our industry that today holds the position of BP Director of Growth Strategy at Deutsche LA, AKA New Business. Rihanna has experience that ranges from media and publishing companies like Fox and Capital Records to agencies like my Gary Bowen. Wondrous RPA, and of course, Deutsch. She is a 2021 Adweek woman trailblazer, which hits right in the spot as it is now International History Women's Month, where we can celebrate and thank all women for their contribution to the world and their industries. Truth be told, though, and as I said earlier, we've been trying to get this podcast in the books for several weeks, which would fall into Black History Month. The reason I mention this is Rihanna is the founder of the movement Three a Crowd and the campaign Pledge in for 13. I would explain what this is, but I'd rather have Rihanna talk about it and tell that story. But a little bit of a hint is uh, 13% of course is the population in America that is black. So why the hell is the percentage of our colleagues not reflective of that number when it comes to diversity and much less in leadership? I'm sure we'll talk about it. So anyway, Thank you so much, Shannon and Riona, for being here. Um, and thank you for being uh, inconformists or doing something and changing the world of advertising into something better. Uh, I think a lot of us talk about it. Not all of us do something, and and you both are an example of of you guys taking action and doing something around this.
1: Great. Thanks, Pancho. Thanks. It's great to be back. <laughs>
2: thank
0: you for having me and inviting me to this conversation.
2: Oh, no, awesome. Um, I was very excited on our pre-call, which was a couple of weeks ago, on what we were talking about. Uh, pledge in for 13, Three is a crowd. Can you, Rihanna, explain a little bit uh, about what this is about? And if I missed anything on your introduction, like feel free to tell us.
0: You didn't miss anything. I but I do <laughs> want to give a shout out to all the amazing people who helped build threes a crowd and in for thirteen. I'm the co-founder, and so. There's other folks that help with this as well, so I can't steal it all for myself. But I will say that in uh, Threes of Crowd started probably, this year will be our fifth year. And it's pretty much a black creative collective here in LA. And we started because we felt like there were a lot of black professionals that didn't really have a community. And I'm from LA, but I, I lived in New York for a while. And when I came back to L.A., I noticed that community was something that we we lacked in terms of being professionals and not necessarily having a place to, to connect. And so it started off with like seven of us and then it went to 30 of us. And then we got all the way up to like a mailing list of about 150 people that either are from L.A. and and wanted some sort of community or not from L.A. and came to L.A. and felt like, I need folks who are in the same business that I'm in and that look like me and can understand some of the things that I may be struggling with at work. And so me being a new business person, I felt like we need to shape this into some sort of like process or some sort of like, what do we stand for? What are we doing? It's all these amazing, talented people in here, but we need to figure out what is it that we want? And we kind of came up with three pillars. One being, how do we use our voice in the advertising industry to make a change, which is how we came about later with Info13. The second one was, how do we make content that's unapologetically black? You know, we're in these rooms a lot of times and sometimes we have to mute certain points of views. But if no one had to go through an approval process and we could just make stuff, what would that look like? And then we developed a podcast called Hexco Black, which is our version of just talking about different things that we may want to talk about. So our content. And then the last piece is how do we um, live in our legacy and how do we give back to our youth? And so we started a program called Each One Teach One for high schoolers um, to understand advertising. If they decide to not go to college. Here's how you'd have to hustle to get into this industry. If you do go to college, here's some things that you should know um, when you're applying for what majors and, and things you want to specialize in. And so we're kind of like this holistic sort of community where outside of that, we network with each other, we help each other with passion projects and a bunch of other things. We're getting to the point now where folks even call us for jobs or leads or, you know, people that we may know. And so yeah. Yeah. So that's that's three's a crowd. Um what's crazy is, is no one cared about anything we had to say until 2020. <laughs> and so when 2020 rolled around, we, we said, let's, let's activate that first pillar
2: of like, how do we use our what weapon? happened on 2020?
0: The killing of George Floyd. And we were in a very, very, um, interesting point in this country where not only did this happen, but it happened during a global pandemic. And happening during a global pandemic where folks are scared for their own health, their own families, their own survival. And now you're going to start dealing with systemic racism in a virtual environment. And so the need for reach out and the need for finding people and the need for hearing different voices was so, so, so honored at that time. I can't say it's honored in the same way now, but I can say Mm -hmm. in 2020 it was definitely honored. And so, We said, okay. so what do we want to do now that folks actually want to hear what our points of views are? And um, we said, well, let's turn this. Let's speak the language of advertising. Let's turn this into a brief from Black America and say we want to raise leadership to reflect the Black U.S. population, which is 13 percent. And we want to do it by 2023, which is this year. And so mm-hmm. we did that in this way because, as you know, in advertising, nothing gets done without a brief, a goal, <laughs> and a deadline. So we gave all three. So it spoke the language to agencies that they're used to hearing, and it made them feel empowered to be able to fix a problem, which we, we fix problems all the time for clients. So right. why not speak the same language back to each other? And because it felt like this problem is it's a it's a moral problem. It's a humane problem. But sometimes I think if we can activate some of the thinking as a business problem as well and put that into thinking, then it'll empower people to look at it in the same way that they would if it were a client. So we had a bunch of people took the pledge and kind of ended up at this point that we're at now. But um, it's a lot we can talk about once we dig into the conversation a bit more. But it was an interesting time three years ago where the conversation was open to hearing this, um, this particular need for what is it that we're not getting? And having black voices in leadership is still an ongoing problem that um, that we're still trying to tackle.
2: Do you see the the commitment of the agencies uh, still alive and well um, three years later and uh, on the year of? the deadline that we set ourselves to achieve this?
0: I think the commitment has shifted. So it kind of went in phases. And I, I've, I've, I kind of went through this when begin end of last year, because for me, it's how do we want, how do we want threes to cry? I have a, it's like, I'm a vehicle to this change. So what is the legacy we want in for 13 to be? And so I started thinking about, well, let me recap like what's happened. And the first year, it was much more about folks wanting to understand the problem. So this is why they wanted to talk to everybody. I wanna hear mm-hmm. from all voices. So how do I understand systemic racism? What is systemic racism? What role should I be playing in this? I should be an anti-racist. So the, 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 the eagerness to learn was in the first year. And I wanna hear from all different types of people. The second year became more of, well, how do I do it? Who's doing it right? Where's a playbook? Where's a checklist? Where's a way for me to get started? Let's look at other industries. Is tech doing it right? Is music doing it right? Is pharmaceuticals doing it right? Who's doing it right? We found out nobody's doing it right. Everybody has the (laughs) same problem. Same exact problem. They may have a different set of tools. They may have a, a much more robust leadership team or that, or that could tackle this a little bit differently. Like for example, Google owns everything. So of course they have a, a a way to approach data and a way to approach certain things because they have more resources, but they still have the same problem. And so we started to realize no one, there isn't a playbook. There isn't a plug and play. Everything requires you to burn down the house and start it over, which is very, very scary for, for these spaces the only space that we saw that actually did it right was someone who's brand new that can start with inclusivity in mind. So like Mm -hmm. Diana who who built, you know, Fendi and, and that sort of thing, her whole model is built around it from the beginning. So she has a different set of, you know, mandate than what you're trying to change it internally from something that's systemic. Now that we're in year three, now that all that teaching and learning has happened, the shift has turned into, oh, we have it, we get it. We don't need to talk to a bunch of people anymore. We don't need a bunch of playbooks. We don't need any of that. We now know on our roster to fix this. So now everyone is going internal. So the commitment becomes a little bit more like, yes, 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 we are working on it, but we're going to keep it to ourselves as to how we're doing it and what we're doing. And I have to keep the people here more so, because at the same time, retention is is all over the place. So mm-hmm. to say that the commitment has definitely shifted, but it's shifted in a way that is almost like, has what, I think the learning has has been ingrained in people to the point of, okay, I know how to eat properly now. I know. I know what to do. You know, I'm on the diet. I get it. All right, kind which
2: of thing. in a way is, is more dangerous, no? Because it's like having a guy that says, "I know how to drive," and do you really? The, you yeah. know, like <laughs> so, let me do my, my thing. Um, but that's interesting. And then Shannon, you you on your side, you you just launched uh, a company in Pucivista, and you here in Rihanna on on this stage. As I, I I had the fortune of meeting Rihanna on a on a panel in 2021 with Isabella Naranjo, and we're talking about. Uh, I think it was a month of March, we were talking about the role of women in our industry, etc. Are you seeing this kind of attitude from the clients you're reaching out to? What, what's happening from your perspective? You've been in Hispanic marketing for over 20 years, so you've, you've watched up close and personal what's happening in our industry. What is your take?
1: Well, I agree with Rihanna a lot in terms of what's happened since 2020. I think the biggest challenge that we have is you can, you know, go through that awakening as an organization. You can bring in people to help train, to help, you know, overhaul your HR, overhaul your hiring practices and recruitment, et cetera. But the biggest challenge is how do you change hearts and minds? Mm
0: -hmm.
1: You know, because you can have all of your employees sit through training sessions and try to understand, but if they don't truly empathize and they don't truly Hmm. experience it themselves, a lot of times it's hard for them really to authentically act and change their ways. So I think that's been the biggest hurdle for us. And we've been working on different strategies and tactics of how can we really help people understand? How can you create that empathy Because there's a lot of resistance. A lot of people are like, you know, enough, enough D E and I, you know, and they're forgetting what the bottom line is. The whole purpose of all of this is to bring people together, help each other, understand each other and be a good human being. You know, it goes all back to the be golden proposition. Do unto others as you want them to do unto yourself. It's that simple. But what I'm finding is that there are certain people or communities that are politicizing this. Um, and in some areas, I feel like it, it's very disheartening to say this, but I feel like it's actually polarizing us in some ways and making us more divisive. Mm. Um, and Rihanna, I'd love your perspective on that as well, because um, it's something we've talked a lot about internally. And again, it's it's how do you bring people to the table together in a safe zone, um, non-confrontational and really help understand each other we're all human it doesn't matter where in the world we are from doesn't matter our skin color our religious beliefs you know our life experiences every single human being that walks this planet has a story you know and and we can all learn from each other
2: mm-hmm.
1: i i love that
0: and 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 it's i think what because I do feel like it's becoming a polarizing conversation and it's because it's like we have this, this system in place. That's like, uh, let's just call it capitalism. We have this system in place that has been on autopilot for the founding of this country. And now we're trying to integrate a human element and a, a hel- an element of being inclusive, in this structure that has been designed so well to not do those things. And so when we try to bring those two into like the reality of what's happening in this world, people are hesitant because I think that it's the idea of, so how is this gonna affect me from money? How am I managing shareholders? How am I doing this? Why are we talking about this? You know, the clients only want this. And so then they they go into this, this mindset of business as usual because I have we're very results driven. We're results driven and we work at the speed of light in this industry. Mm-hmm. And so until we can really reconcile that part then it's always going to feel like that's a nice to have, or that I don't have time for, or I can't really feel like we don't even value feelings in our in our, in our culture. But you know, we're trying to say let's start feeling and, and work. So I think we have to deal with our our hypocrisy in general of our of our country. But that's a bigger, broader conversation that I don't necessarily think folks want to entertain and work. The challenge with that is, is that there is a younger generation who will not work unless this is talked about, who will not conform, who will who will challenge it to uh, why not or how come, you know. And so it's a bigger conversation that is eventually going to have to be bite sized down to actually happen as we move into a younger generation entering the workforce. But it has become polarized and it's like, okay, enough of this. Why are we talking about this still? Because it's not fixed. And we keep talking about it because it's not fixed. And so then I'm starting to think about, is the work just that? Just keep going, like keep going with the, yep, we're going to talk about it again. Yep, we're going to talk about it again and again and again and again until something happens. Because, you know, I, I want to say optimistically, but also naively three years ago, the idea of it can actually be so different was something I still hold, but it's also like, yeah, this work isn't gonna be done like that. This work doesn't move in the same way that it moves as like a case study and a wrap up at the end. This work is mm. like life Ongoing. Ongoing. Yeah. It, I mean, mm. it's like you pass the baton to the next person to take it over
2: there's never going to be a cross the finish line kind of moment. But I think it is, you know, we talk about empathy and doing the right thing. And then we also talk about this being a capitalist country, you know, results being a big motivator, but there's that ton of that out there that shows that being diverse, being inclusive, bringing, bringing a, uh uh a good team of people that have different points of view that come from different backgrounds, etc., cetera, delivers better results. Yep. So what, what the hell is happening? <laughs> who's not, who's not reading the lines or, you know, what's wrong with us? I, I, I agree. I just don't think that thinking has caught up
0: with the reality. I don't think so. I think they're the idea of, yeah, let's have a diverse team. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. Great point. Stephanie, great point. So-and-so. But at the end of the day, it's going to go with who is running that table kind of thing. So right. that hasn't even been reconciled. Do you know what I mean? Because, yeah, we have a diverse team, but it's going to be laddered up to the person or the team who has the most experience, who's used to dealing, and that's typically not a diverse team. So yeah, that's sure. never really been fixed. When do we get to a point where you could fell up, where you can give a team something and it's like, just let them go? We're not there because it's too much money on the table. We've moved too quickly. And we we just don't have that as an as an option kind of thing. We could, but no one is taking that kind of, you know,
1: shoot. They know what works from what their experience is. You
0: mm-hmm.
1: know? You know, I think you have a really good point there. Um, and it's funny because if you step back and think about the advertising industry in particular. <laughs> And how you had mentioned earlier, and this is actually something Rihanna, you and, and I had talked about um, a few weeks ago, but we're so used to delivering, you know, you get the brief, you come up with the fantastic concepts and you solve that problem, right? You check the box. And I think just by the nature of our industry and the people who work in it, that's what drives us. Got it. Give me the next challenge. I, I'm, I love to solve these puzzles. Let's solve it and let's see it out there in the world and and make that change. The difference with this initiative, just like we're talking about, it's an evolution. Mm-hmm. It is literally a societal change that takes time. And one of the things that, that our team has also talked about at great Links is this whole generational divide. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think everything that we're doing is vitally important. I mean, I've got three... Um, Multiracial children, I've seen how they've had to navigate um, life and society and their community and friendship groups and schools and everything else. Um, And it's really been awakening. I think that's one of the reasons why it's really become a passion point for me. But as convicted as they are to help make these changes, sometimes I have to stop and remind them to listen. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: Because I feel like sometimes they fail. They're very critical of of certain generations and certain points of view. And they don't want to hear it because it's wrong. Fair enough. But they're never going to change those mindsets. And they're never really going to be able to harness that true empathy until they are quiet. And they actually listen to the other side. And they can slowly reach their hand across the table And bring them over and help them understand. You know, one of the things that is always shocking to me, it wasn't until 1982. And I know we're a little older. 82 really isn't that old. (laughs) when We were in high school. But um, in 1982, women were finally able to go to the bank and get a loan without their husband's signature. That was 1982. Yeah. Yeah. You know, we look back in the civil rights movement. That was just a generation ago, you guys. And if we pause and truly look at how far we've come in such a short amount of time, we have had incredible strides, you know, both racially, you know, gender wise, age wise. You know, I mean, I feel like. We are so much more appreciative and give equality for younger, um, employees who are just entering because they know things we don't know. And we realize that, mm-hmm. you know, but they've got a much stronger voice than I had when I first entered the industry. That's for sure.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, so just something to think about. I
0: love, I love what you're saying because it's almost like I have this, this When you said that about the the younger generation, I was watching this comedian and she was talking about how, yes, they have a a very strong point of view, but she said age requires wisdom. Well, you get wisdom with age. So it's the, I've seen a few things. I know how to work this room a little bit differently because I have the wisdom to kind of read the room versus I just have all the answers because they have all the answers right at their fingertips. Like, (laughs) we don't have to go to those psych. Yeah, to the library. You have it at your fingertips. Like, you you research and see life completely different than another generation. But then I also think about the idea of every generation kind of serves its purpose. Like... I was trying to explain to a mentee. They asked me, how did I get started? And I was like, well, I I just, I did everything. I got coffee. I've got dry cleaning. I answered phones. I did whatever. And they looked at me like, ew, there's no way I'm ever doing that. And the idea that I did that so you could actually have a job where I can actually listen to you because no one listened to me when I was coming up. So now that I'm in a position of being able to even hire you, or even consider having or bringing you into the meeting. Maybe I got the coffee because that's what I felt at that time, I needed to do that, you know? And I did not have the experience of challenging, why do I have to get the coffee? I just did it because that's how I was raised into to getting jobs. I say that to say that I think the idea of progress has to be challenged as well. Because we work in a fast paced space, we think it, it it will work in that way. But also change does not, societal change doesn't happen in that way. You take two steps forward to go 10 steps back. Then you go two steps forward to go three steps back. And so we also have to challenge how we are looking at change and progress. And what does that actually look like? And I thought about when you were talking about the 1982 thing about the how women, I mean, I was five or six during that time. So I can just imagine what the women in my my generation was telling me what I needed to do to get a job. And then it made me think about the, the civil rights movement of the busing of like, there was a law that said kids could go to these schools, but it didn't change the behavior of the schools, but they still mm-hmm. sent the kids to the school until eventually that became a thing. And then it also became a thing where they never challenged, well, why not just fix the, the schools Where the kids go, why do kids need to be bussed? So that was a whole nother thing. I'm saying that to say that I think we have to look at how we see progress. And maybe it's not being as critical or maybe it's not being as like, it's so slow, it's so slow. But then taking those small victories within it to say like, you know, there's charter schools now where people can go to all different types of schools in different neighborhoods women are killing it in the workplace and can vote and do whatever they want and not ask their husbands for permission or whatever, like remembering those moments as well. Or yeah, the expectation of a person starting a job doesn't mean you have to get all the coffee and get all the dry cleaning. The expectation of that has changed within our lifetime kind of thing. So I think it's looking at progress and change differently because it's not it's not just this exponential change and then it's perfect like that part's done next next thing we need to check off
2: you know i love that that op- optimistic point of view i think looking at it as celebrating the wins uh mm-hmm. i think could potentially generate momentum to reach for more wins for more micro wins and for more progress in a way uh or, or what or our interpretation of progress as as i believe plus three are in the same page. Um, I wanted to ask you both about fragmentation. Um, Mm -hmm. And when I speak about fragmentation is, I think All all In for 13 is an amazing, or Pledge In for 13 is an amazing um, initiative. I think Inclusivista is an amazing initiative. I think uh, Add Color is an amazing initiative. How does that it, it might be that it's great, like being fragmented and doing the efforts here and there, it's great, but in, in, in a world where could potentially people unite, especially nowadays, right? The technology and and, and, and this being an industry so tight and, and close, what, what is fragmentation or efforts here and there doing for the overall goal? Is it helping? Is it not helping? What could be done better?
0: Well, to me the problem is so big you need it all so you know <laughs> honestly and you need bunches you need yeah. everything you need somebody on the ground on the top at the middle the, wherever and i think too you know when we first launched uh uh in for 13 we would get press asking us like what's the difference between this and 600 and rising and what's how do you how do you feel about Atco?" and it was almost like i had to be like we're all cousins like it doesn't we're, we're all we we're all not have competing. A, no, we all have a different lane. And to be quite honest, because there isn't like a mega voice of like one organization or one holding company or all the holding companies getting together and saying, we're going to fix this, then none of us would exist if somebody really did that. But nobody does that. So we have to exist because nobody's owning the conversation like that, where it's a trusted source like I said, if all of the holding companies got together and said, we're going to fix this, if A&A and four A's or I don't I don't know who it is said <laughs> we're, we're owning that. We're going to own that. And, and people trusted the source and they saw the results. All this grassroots, it may be here, but it may not because we feel like there's some kind of trusted source. But I will say I do believe that because I'm going to contradict what I just said, just the idea of like, I think you need it all. You need it all. You need, you know, will Info 13 ever be ad color? No, because ad color serves a great cause. We're small. We're grassroots. We're not trying to be like my hat comes off. That organization has been around for over 15 years. They have they started this conversation before people were talking about black excellence and all this. So give them their credit where credit is due kind of thing. You know, we can all sit back and criticize whatever we want to criticize. When people say, why isn't for 13 a pledge? Pledges are stupid. Okay, well, at least we got 20 agencies together to talk about the problem. You can criticize it if you want, however you want. So I think everything is needed and it's just coming from different angles and spokes because the problem is that big. And I don't think anyone should feel as though it's fragmented. I think we should look at it as Everything has a lane and a purpose. And mm-hmm. let's, just, let's just use the lanes how we see fit.
1: You know, it's interesting. We were talking about celebrating, you know, the positive wins that we've had. And absolutely, we need to do that. But it doesn't negate our responsibility, especially within our industry. Um, yes, everybody needs to come to the table and help, you know, help enlighten, help educate, help generate that empathy. But in particular, advertising, the entertainment industry, the music industry, hello. <laughs> I have some big, big issues there. It is up to us to heart to start really resetting and establishing some of these new norms of what's accepted and what's not accepted anymore. Um, and it's it's little things, you know? The languages that we use, the talent that is um, featured in different creative. How can we make sure that we are exposing the world to what it really is today and not what it was even 10 years ago? Um, Because it's changed. It's already evolved. You know, it's how Mm. many of our clients do... Do you see they want to capitalize, for lack of better words, on, oh, I want to go reach Hispanics or I want to go reach the black community or, you know, the LBGTQ community, whatever it might be. But they don't understand the culture. You know, they don't. They absolutely are not representative of the marketplace today. And, you know, I think there's such an opportunity for us to set the precedent and then help our clients and help those other organizations out there truly understand and evolve as well Mm -hmm. and that will enable them to further capitalize on growth of what the marketplace is today
2: Mm -hmm.
1: so you know i think ergs absolutely the employee resource groups they might seem a little more divisive or you know segregated for lack of better words within the organization but you don't have to necessarily be part of that community to be part of the ERG. Part of the the whole purpose of that is to help others understand. So if I wanted to understand the black community, you know, much more deeply, I would join the ERG and, you know, really saturate myself in that community and, and have a safe space to really, truly, authentically understand and empathize, mm-hmm. you know, whatever those ERGs are, but then you can leverage that diversity to really maximize whatever offerings you have, whether it's you know, a specific service, whether it's a specific product, whatever it might be.
2: But I I wonder, so I I agree. I think we shouldn't criticize individual efforts, but I wonder if if there was a higher so so to me, Adcolor or what Mac Mark Preacher saying right constantly or giving the space if you were able to connect those dots if i if i was at color and i see pledging for 13 and i don't know if this has happened or what conversations but i would be very excited that Riona created this movement that i could potentially adopt and even finance right and and even make within the organization a campaign within a common goal that has actionable like i think the beauty is you had a brief you had a goal you have a deadline right that has actionable items that has very clear perhaps in a, in a in a little bit smaller micro level but it's a win and my comment about fragmentation is why the hell would i not would mark preacher not say great i'm out preaching about about this this goal or this passion i have but i have this campaign in for 13 that is amazing that's built out that has a website that explains what it is that has a goal a brief uh, like let me get behind it hey proctor guys brand managers let's go look at this right and agencies how do we bring this to life in a more aggressive way than what not to criticize i think it's amazing what you've done Rihanna. but like you're not you don't have the funds so how do we bring that here or Inclusivista, okay, how do we get on top of that? Like, connecting those dots of those efforts, I feel would make us 100% stronger. I totally
0: agree with you. And since this is a very candid conversation, uh, (laughs) I will say that what happens, I do think we need them all, but what happened, what I felt started to happen with Info13 is we started to feel like we were a vendor. It started to feel like I had to almost pitch it in for people to be like, well, we're already doing our diversity and equity and inclusion work. Like, are you saying like your like your thing is going to replace our thing? I didn't say that at all. I said I'm offering something that could complement what you're already doing. Well, I already I'm already working with you know one two three organization. I'm already working with seven one two organization. I'm already working with all of these different ones. Like, what's what's your spiel? So then it started to feel like I don't need to pitch this in this way. Like, either you want to be in it or you don't, kind of thing. Right. And so because there's so many people with different agendas and different things, and then you also have internally, we already have a team or if I have a DE&I lead, or if I have a head of talent or HR or whatever, I'm already putting together something. Why do I need them kind of thing? Because right. I get their premise. I mean, you could, I've heard people, you know, no shade, kind of rip it off a little bit. Like, oh, we're going to do in for whatever kind of thing. And it's right. like, they pitch it however they want. It's a very simple formula kind of thing. And so I guess what I'm trying to say is that it becomes like, a thing where we start to let the bureaucracy of how we're used to operating then change the actual agenda, where it's like, well, why would I do that versus Sally and I are working on this? Or why would I do this when I already work with for the people and, you know, kind of thing. And so now we get in our own ways and then it becomes like, I don't have money for that. Or I don't know why would I invest in that thinking or whatever it may be. So then it starts to feel smaller and smaller and smaller because of the bureaucracy or the, the tape that we have to jump through in order to prove the validity of it. I mean, I'm not a and i professional. I'm just a black woman who worked in these spaces for 20 years. But I felt like I had to prove my or show like, well, what made you qualify to have this conversation? You work in new business. So then the people are asking me, like, well, what have you studied? And why do I need to study? You know, like, right. Try to live it. Uh, Yeah, but it didn't matter. It was almost like, you know, oh, so you you do have a full, so this is not your, oh, okay. So, yeah, but we're doing this kind of thinking already in-house. I say that to say that I think everyone has their way of how they want to do it. And if your way complements their way, or if your way is like, how do I work it into what I'm already doing, then it'll work. If it doesn't, and it feels like it's like, eh, and I'm doing the hands and hands too much, right. no one's going to really support it in that same way.
1: It's very similar to um, the way Inclusivista works with our clients. No two clients, no two organizations are ever the same. They're all very, very different in terms of their, I'm going to call DE&I development, awareness, Um, internal acceptance and the way that they are actually making it actionable. And so, you know, I think it's the same within our industry in particular. People are at different levels and you have to meet them at their level Mm -hmm. in order, again, to put your hand across the table and help bring and guide them. You know, we have um, some clients that are gung-ho and they're great and they're making progress and they're very, aligned and and really motivated to adopt and do anything that they absolutely can. We have other clients that have internal dissonance. They have certain Mm -hmm. sides that are more resistant. They are hesitant. They're scared, whether it's, you know, because of political challenges or religious beliefs or whatever it might be. Um, So we have to, we have to slow down and that's okay. You know, because again, we meet them where they are and the whole purpose is, is to create this level of empathy and understanding and truly changing the mindset. Mm-hmm. And when you have, you know, people that have very strongly ingrained beliefs, um, ways of thinking or, you know, have strong stereotypes in their minds, you have to help them understand. You have to help guide them and teach them and be patient. So it's it's been an awakening on our side, I think, as well, because you come in and you think, you know, this is the right thing to do. Let's all just be human beings and get along, right? Try to understand each other. And they want to do that, um, but it's not always that easy.
2: It becomes easy when they see that that's the result. And to your point, Riona like, why would, Why would the head of new business be doing this? I could argue that because it's good for business. It's not just because of the goodness of of your heart, but if somebody is not convinced enough because that's the goodness of their heart or because that's the right thing to do, as you were saying, Shannon, it should be because it's good for business. It's good for new business. It's good for evolution. It's good to have a more ample view, right?
0: And this is the this is goes back to that first part. You got me excited when you said that. So I didn't mean to cut you off. You got me excited because this goes back to we've done it this way and we've made a lot of money for a long time. Now you're asking me to bring in that part. And this is where and that part being inclusivity race, religion, and politics, and all these other things. And for whatever reason, that's a whole, we could have a whole nother podcast about how is it that race is political, but that's that's a whole nother thing. But it makes it very complicated to have these conversations because those things become triggers where it's like, it's about money. It's about business. So why are we bringing that stuff in when we've been able to run business so long without those things? And hmm. so now you're say my business can be better. How? Show me, and that's going to take a lot of time to be able to yeah. say like, it is going to make it better. You know, at some point, maybe everybody has to die. I don't know, but it probably won't be <laughs> at, <laughs> won't be in my lifetime. But I guess what I'm saying is that what you were saying, Shannon, about the teaching and the patience, and and it's and it's going back to that that conversation of bringing these two worlds into one space. And that's the uncomfortable where it becomes polarizing and it becomes like, now I have to retrain the client. And the client doesn't probably wanna hear that. They wanna hear, how am I gonna connect to sell stuff? How am I going to connect for them to want my brand? I get the other part. I just can't deal with that right now kind of thing. And that's where it gets a little little like banging your head up against the wall.
1: But do you know what is one of the most gratifying things for me? is when you have a client who is resistant or really unaware of how I'm gonna say vital because it's vital
0: mm-hmm.
1: to it is nowadays to really understand the next wave of consumers, the next wave of employees, you know, the next wave of influencers that are out there and you can go into a boardroom, and you say, yes, these are your customers, your consumers, your fans, whatever they may be today. But have you looked at the individuals who are under the age of 20? Because guess what? It's totally flip-flopped. Yeah. Guess what? These people have a voice, and not just a voice. They've got minds, and they've got dollars, and different ideologies and perspectives of the world. And if mm-hmm. you don't work to understand that, you're you're in trouble. Yeah. You're not going to progress and grow. You are gonna be the old dinosaur in the room that has resisted evolving for so long that when it's time for you to, you know, you're forced to do it, it's too late.
2: Mm-hmm. Exactly. It is
1: it is absolutely too late. No, and you look... Um,
2: well, look what happened with digital, right? A lot of people that were making money on 30-second spots, they stayed behind them. They were desperate to catch up with yeah. a trend that was evident, right? Not as serious as this, but it, it happened.
1: Fascinating to me. I was listening to an, actually an, an NPR podcast yesterday, and they were talking a little bit about this resistance, in particular with the LGBTQ community, and how individuals just didn't understand, you know, that how can a third of Gen Z, almost a third, you know, self-identify as LGBTQ? And why has that grown? And it was fascinating to me because they're saying it's always been that way. It's, it's just, just people are talking know, about it more. Yeah. People weren't able to talk about it. And having social platforms and online platforms have enabled people to have a voice and be themselves and be accepted in ways that they weren't able to even 20 years ago, you know? And it's like that, I think, with all different groups and, you know, of any ideologies, any cultural background experiences, et cetera. It's always been that way. We just haven't heard about it. Because mm-hmm. to communicate with a friend you had to pick up the phone and call them or get on your bicycle and drive to their house. You couldn't you know, there no. were no cell phones, there were no no ways to to communicate like there are today.
0: I was just gonna add that I I think the problem where it gets the resistance is it's almost like you're we're saying that you don't know something. And you're challenging my thinking and how I see the world. And so when you challenge it, it becomes like, let's say I've believed this for 50 years. And now someone is telling me that what I stand for, my belief is wrong or it's, it's not inclusive. Or, and then it becomes like a defensive sort of thing. It's almost like when when you hear people about like, you know, raise yourself up by your bootstraps. I did it, and it's like, well, yeah, but there was a whole bunch of other people who didn't have boots, and so it's like, it's hard to even fathom that thinking because I'm just in my world, and you're now telling me that, like, I'm a pawn in it too. <laughs> like, I, like, you know what I mean? Like, I, the way I see the world is 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 tilted. That's and. I think that's scary for people to be able to say like, it's not tilted, yours is tilted. No, I'm right, <laughs> you know, so I don't know. Yeah, I just think it's, yeah, yeah. it's pushing up against something a little deeper where they're like, well, hold on, you can't tell me I don't know
1: anything, or, you know, I've been in this rodeo for 50 years. <laughs> but that's yeah, where we've gotta but, listen. We have to listen, because if we expect them to change their mindsets, we have to help them understand. It was fascinating. I was at a Buddy Guy concert the other night here in Dallas. It was awesome. And I don't know if you've ever been to one of his concerts, but he tells stories. You know, he grew up in Louisiana. He's 85 years old, I think, something around there. And he was talking about growing up with, you know, no running water and, you know, none of the things that most people had at that time. And somebody yelled out from the audience and i don't know what they said but they yelled out from the audience and i loved his reaction he literally called the individual out in the crowd and said i'm sorry sir but you need to shut up it's people like you that refuse to listen and interrupt Mm -hmm. that are perpetuating the problem Mm -hmm. shut up and listen Mm -hmm. and the whole crowd went wild like yay you know just but it's one of those things that goes on both sides. We have to stop and listen to each other. And just because you have a perspective and I have a perspective, I mean, I kind of know which one I think is the right perspective, right? But we have to meet halfway and help each other understand each other so that we can evolve that mindset and generate that empathy.
2: Yeah. And or meet halfway, but also, because halfway we don't know what it is, like the 13% um and and it's it's at at a hand's reach potentially right like it's something that you don't have to go into a whole philosophy of i was wrong i was not looking at this. no do you agree that you can you achieve 13% almost like a challenge right exactly. uh it's, it's that simple right and and i think also you know companies like inclusivista should jump into campaigns like this and saying that's something i can implement right now and go out and sell can you do 30% do you want to change do you want to see if you can even achieve it and see what happens um so i mean perhaps that a little doing a little bit more of of connecting dots of seeing the greatness that's out there the micro efforts that are here and there and being and, and trying to organize them uh that's a that could be a potential natural next step um but but yeah anyway th- th- like we we i think we we need to wrap up i know you guys are busy but any last words of, of advice, anything? I mean, we could go on, like, I love this topic, just hearing you guys talk, and there's so much to say about this, but any, any, like, call to action?
0: Well, well, well I'll say, yes, N for 13 has a very clear formula. And Latin community is in for 18, Asian American is in for six, just saying. So it's a very clear formula that you can follow. I will say, you will never get to that number until you change your culture until you do the harder work. That is a representation number that shows all the efforts of your work. And I think in 2020, people thought, I got it. I just need two people. And guess what? Those two people quit in six months because the work was never done internally. And what I mean by the work is, are they invisible projects? Are they real leaders? Are they being promoted in a certain way? Are they being reflective of being a true next gen or, or person who actually has a department, has a team, are they really real leaders? Are Do they belong there? Do they have a real voice where what they say actually matters? It's not they're just there saying, I think this, great, not doing that kind of thing. So the work was never really done. So the representation number will never move until the the other work is done internally. So mm-hmm. that's what I would say.
1: I think my big stick is really the golden rule. This isn't about politics. This isn't about, you know, one group wanting to have more power over the other group or whatever. This is literally about being human and treating other people with the dignity, respect, and understanding that we all want to have. And the companies that are politicizing it and are scared to get on board are shooting themselves in the foot because it's the future. And it's not really the future, it's today. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I guess my call to action is just step back and, and be real and take a look at the reality of today and what the reality is definitively gonna be tomorrow. And let's all just work to be good people. Let's quit dividing each other, it's it's really sad, you know, It's mm-hmm. to make this a divisive topic is absolutely ridiculous, you know, yeah. the whole purpose is bringing, bringing individuals together and appreciating the beauty, the different cultures and life experience it actually brings, it only enriches everything.
2: Yeah, 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 yeah. good message. Where can people find you guys? If they have any questions, is there any social media? What's the best way to get in touch with you if any of our listeners want to continue a one-on-one with you guys? Well,
0: I can be reached at threezacrowd.black. Um, we have a link to Pledge N for 13 on there. We also have a link to our podcast um, as well on there. Um, if you want to be if you want to be involved with Infor13, just send us a note on Pledge infor13.com. If you want to be in, want to hear more about Threes a Crowd, you can send a note at threesacrowd.black, and you can get a conversation or something going.
2: Thank you. And we'll put those on, on the notes of the podcast so people can click on it. And Shannon?
1: Perfect. Um, inclusivista.com. Uh, all of our contact information is there. You can contact me directly. Um, send me an email. Give me a phone call. And would love to talk further about it.
2: Awesome. Well, thank you so much for being here. Riona, good to see you again. Shannon, this has been loud and clear. Uh, the podcast, for those who give a shit about advertising, let's hope we change it together. Let's challenge how we do things. Let's make it better. We have a lot of space to improve. Um, you can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, iHeart, uh, Stitcher. We're going to be on our website. We're redoing our website, so we'll be there up again in a couple of weeks. Uh, Thank you for listening and we'll be back and hope to hear you and see you soon.